five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The amazing heat wave with Groove Line. As you can see, I'm here in the uh, sunny Southwest today, coming to you from inside the box. I felt like the Southwest thing with the bolo tie would, would actually like set each other off. Um, it's really disappointing. Trying to find images now. Everything's fucking licensable. It's just, oh my God. Licensable. Anyway, let's talk about that video. First of all, that song is great. Like, how could you not feel good after listening to that song? That's just fat bass, right? Like massive hooks and grooves. Um, written by Rod Temperton, who we talked about yesterday. And I discovered that Rod Temperton wrote the entire soundtrack um for that was it scared straight the, the the movie with uh with billy crystal and gregory hines and he wrote sweet freedom which is one of my favorite yacht tunes he also wrote the iconic this is rod temperton now the iconic yamo be there that was rod temperton who wrote that tune sweet freedom he wrote that one he wrote Thriller. Um, he came up, apparently, with the lyrics that, that Vincent Price would add to Thriller. He came up with those lyrics from the hotel to the studio to start jotting them down in the taxi. The genius of Rod Temperton, the guy could write a fucking song. And... Um, he had a really special relationship with that band. Like, even though he went off and became uh, a big deal songwriter in the LA music, he still worked with the band. He, you know, he helped them write tunes and, and he, just, he just didn't tour and play with them anymore. Uh, but they, they had a very close relationship. Well, all right, let's go to the video. Warner Wolf, let's go to the videotape. Because there's something interesting going on in that video. If you're paying attention, if you are paying attention, you'll see what I'm talking about. All right. Let's just have a look at their super tight outfits. I'm thinking maybe we should do something like this for the event and all dress like this. Wouldn't that be a little culty? Huh? You see what's going on? He's got his astrological sign. 
on his collar. He's a cancer. He just come off like a cancer, you know? Like, he's got really feminine energy, this guy. And he's got kind of a sweet vibe, right? So he's clearly, clearly, like, channeling the cancer. They all have their signs on their collars. So his brother is, is what? If you're paying attention, you would know. Can't really see it there, so we'll have to get another shot at it. Sagittarius. He's a Sagittarius. And where did he start? Heat wave? In Germany. Like, that's a total Sag thing to do. I am from Chicago. Let's go start a hit band over. I mean, I don't think he planned it out that way. He was in the service. And they started jamming around. But that's Sagittarius, right? Striking, striking out and finding their fortune in another place. I think in the background here, he's also a can. So they're actually harmonizing pretty well. Uh, what else can we see? We got a Libra here. This is the guy that got stabbed in the heart. Looks to me like he's, it's hard to say if that's Taurus or Capricorn. I'm going to go with Taurus. But it's one of the two, right? So you got a Libra over here. I mean, these guys were channeling. They were channeling their signs, right? So I'm thinking we should get some some uh, outfits like this. White, different colored vests, and you know, off our astrological sign on our, lapel, on our uh, collar. What do you think? I think it's a silly idea, but also kind of fun. See how you guys are doing. Leave your worries behind. Is that a great song? Like, how could you not feel happy? How could you not feel happy? Let me see what we got here. I gotta see who's who's here. Who's in the chat? All right. There's my man, Michael. Brought some great Rod Temperton yesterday. Uh, so the classy one. There's my man, Tomas. Tomas. That's one of TJ. Uh, Ryan. We got a Ryan sighting this morning. Who? Who? Cool and the gang stole that shit. Actually, the producer did. Julie Sunshine, triple three. Check it in from the Enchanted Forest. Beautiful. There she is, the fantastic one, CC Jones. Uh, Crossfire Cat, checking in Darlene Kiffer, Miss 210, Hucklebuck411, what's up, Huck? Wendy says, the beautiful one. And you know, today is Thor's Day. We're going to have a Thor sighting here soon. Double B, Beth Berry in the house. Look at that. Fran is digging it. Yes. The Pfizer facility was taken out in a storm. So, Lynn, there are some people that say that that was deliberate, that they were covering up the evidence. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the uh, Georgia Guidestones. Act of God or 
uh, let's destroy the shit so other people don't figure it out. Uh, there's Bo. What's happening, Bo? Good to see you. Uh, S. Thank God I'm a country boy. John Denver was anything but a country boy. He was the son of an elite. I think his father was like a very early computer scientist. Can you see it? Can you see it, John Denver? He's got the, he's got the nerd. He's got the geek. Uh, let's see. Who else? Beverly Wise. Now that's a man who could wear pink, right? He's a Sagittarius. He pulled it off. Uh, uh, okay. Past lives matter. Good to see you. Harriet, what do you think? Harriet did a little potlatch. She had a few things she needed to give away. And this is one of them. I'm going on a little uh, hiatus for a few days, and I'm bringing the bolo tie. Harriet, thank you. Uh, let's see. Oh, Crimmies and Fran are talking about tornado. I guess that's fire bill, right? Jason Aldean was shooting. He just recently had to leave the stage for a health climate reason. Now he's got this controversial song. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I think I I think Jason Aldean's an inside guy. I'm going to get into that today. Johnny, you're all over it. Uh, I keep forgetting. Okay, we got a lot of North Carolina. There he is. The man, Steve. Mora asked for weather. Spoke good. In the bottom of the 2944 of that Pisces decan. You're 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 taking on the slings and arrows of our suffering. God bless you. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Don't worry, you'll be rewarded later on. Your position in heaven will be much higher than the rest of us. Uh great music, right? Fucking A. Groove line. Always preferred Soul Train over American Bandstand. Yeah, I mean, I th I think that was like some kind of disco award show. Do you see the Village People in the audience? I think it was like the annual disco awards or something. I don't really consider Heat Wave a disco band. They were like a funk band that was like playing with some disco group and extended mixes and stuff. But Soul Train was just more fun. It was it was more fun. Although every now and then American Bandstand would have have its moments. Like if you go back and see some of the old versions of American Bandstand, some of the black and white stuff, you can see people like Johnny Rivers and uh, Del Shannon. And some of that stuff, like from a, a historical perspective, is pretty cool. Um, let's see, who else do we have? Uh, da, 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 da. I know, right, Bo? Courtesy of Harriet. In the 70s, people were into what's your sign. I'm clearly. Do you remember that song Float Float On? And they talk about their signs. Hi, I'm Larry. And I'm a Capricorn. 
you hear that song? The, every, every guy in the band goes through their sign. I'm a Virgo. Oh, yeah. Not the chicks. Most musicians have a day job. A lot of them do. Robert Fripp says, never quit your day job. Uh, let's see. Rod Temperton made a shit ton of money, man. He had, when he passed away, he's another one of these guys that passed away around his birthday. Same with um, yesterday, Herbert Marcusa passed away around his birthday. This birthday effect thing is weird. Now I've got you all thinking, when's my birthday? My birthday's coming up. Oh, shit. Lends a whole new credence, right? Like if you think about the birthday effect, when your birthday comes around, you might be more appreciative of your birthday. I'm just using the flip side of the coin there. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? One. IA. Checking in. Uh, let's see. Slightly late, but I'm present now. President can't afford. Yeah, hopefully nothing is leaking out. Exactly. I'll dress up for the event. Forget all. We're going to. We are going to. We are going to dress and dance together. We're gonna. We're gonna sing and dance together. It's part of it. Curious Joe coming in, checking in from the UK. All right, Curious. Can we call you CJ? Marge is here. Bringing some of the New Mexican sky into chat with her. He sure didn't look like a country boy. And I know I grew up in the middle of Tennessee. That's why I listen. You always come up with that. Yeah. If you, okay. It's, we're to get into Patriot porn. Can you feel it? But the true note in Aries Patriot porn, like again, the sound of freedom is a very, very complex cultural artifact. There are some people who say they made the movie because they were practicing an esoteric or uh, an occult um, technique, which is they're telling you what they're doing, meaning that Tim Ballard is telling you that he's actually trapped. Okay. There might be some be some validity to that yeah ballard's got a bunch of strange ties cia mormonism looks like he's a freemason he's just checking all the fucking boxes right the movie gets made by carlos slim you know uh trump has gone on a tirade in the past about carlos slim and the things that he's involved with. But then you look at like Tony Robbins and uh, John Paul DeJoria, right? So DeJoria is the guy that has um, a company uh, and, and uh, took over from Vidal Sassoon, like not Vidal, the other guy, um, shit. Uh, Paul, what's his name? The, the guy who created the shampoos, who was uh, kind of a, a an apprentice of Vidal Sassoon. And so John Paul DeJoria came in, was his manager, 
kind of took everything over, right? And then he has uh, the tequila company, the big tequila company. And then Anthony Robbins, like they're all part of the financing of the movie. And I guarantee you that the person that was put Tony Robbins to spend his money on that movie was his wife. Because his wife has changed Tony Robbins' life. There was a guy that I used to be good friends with, and he did a lot of internet marketing. And for a time being, he was doing this work. This, uh, this guru, he did work for a couple different gurus, but he did work for this one guru. And this one guru um, has meditation, and you know, it's kind of a spectacle, right? So. Tony Robbins' wife got into this guy. And through Tony Robbins' wife, that Tony Robbins got into the guy. And they went tree in, I think, Fiji. So you I, I guarantee you, Tony Robbins' wife probably said, throw some money at this movie. So again, like who's behind it? What are the motivations? You know, does does uh, Ballard want to chip every kid, right? Is that, is that part of the message of the movie? You know, or on another level, are you just like, fuck it? You know, they've been giving us buckets of shit to watch at the, the movies, you know, where everything's remade, uh, you know, Women kick ass, men take a backseat, Harrison Ford kind of hands the torch over to this fiery, impetuous woman who is going to put him in his place, right? I mean, I mean, that's the alternative universe and how it's been. And it's only going to get worse if you've watched the Oscars or watched what they're demanding movies have in order to be nominated. And then this movie comes along and you're like, well, it's not that, right? It's not that. And we've been sick of that. So if let's just say you take Tim Ballard out of the backstory, you take Carlos Slim out of the backstory, you take John Paul DeJoria and Tony Robbins out of the backstory and his wife, and it's a movie, right? Let's say it's just a movie. Well, on the merits of it being a movie, it's not a bad film. It's not a great film, but it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's a good thing the funny guy came along in the middle of it because I was getting a little dour. Just got to say, a little comic relief showed up about halfway through the film. And then you just put it up against the the rest of the pap that's been force fed on us. Like then I get a Barbie movie. You take that seven days out of the week only because this is my, my contention only because if, if that movie is successful, which it is, then Theoretically, it can spawn other movies that may not 
conform to the Hollywood standard. At the end of the day, right? Like maybe this is a good thing in that direction. Like if you just apply the principles of new criticism, which I hated when I was in college, because you know, new criticism, well, you just have to look at the work. You can't have any historical perspective of who that person is and what they're trying to communicate. Like I thought that was psychotic when I was in college. But we use the new criticism approach. We'll just look at the movie. You know, we won't we won't look at the backstory. You just look at the movie and define it on those terms. It's a reasonable movie. And you're and if you support it, there's a good chance you may support other movies moving forward, which will conform less to what we've seen. Now, if you want to get into the weeds around it, and there are some weeds, clearly, there are weeds with Sound of Freedom. I watched Tim Ballard uncomfortably admit that Carlos Slim funded the movie on Tim Pool. It was awkward. It was very, and he knew it was awkward. And the other thing too, this is, so, uh, you know, our, our total Mars and Virgo shit, are, are we so attached to the purity of the messenger that any any stun spot on the messenger is is going to completely eradicate the message question mark right question mark um because the, there was something else that was connected to this thing um, oh right so tim ballard believes that guys with box cutters did 9-11 Okay, so where does that sit in sort of the, the legitimacy scales and balances of the universe? And are those two things mutually exclusive? Or is there kind of a Venn diagram somewhere in the middle where they meet? Because that's his, that's, his, that's his position, right? So if you go deep into it, you're gonna you're gonna find, especially with Tim Ballard, maybe to a lesser extent, Caviezel. I think I think Caviezel is um, kind of a zealot, actually, right? He's a zealot, and you can you can see it in his chart. He's got Mars and Virgo. He's kind of a zealot, um, and I I think I think Jim Caviezel is a true believer. Right. He's a true believer. And sometimes, sometimes if you get too deep in the rabbit hole being a true believer, that can be problematic. You know, it depends on what you believe in. But if you can't adapt and adjust your beliefs, you just got you, you just gotta watch out who you follow you. That's all I'm saying. Right. So Caviezel's got he's got the true believer vibe. I put him in a slightly different category than Tim Ballard. Um, the the thing with the Chinese kids that they've adopted, uh, you know, maybe maybe they're just infertile. Maybe he's I don't know secretly gay, and that's his that's his beard wife. I don't know. Right? I you, you can go through try to rationalize 
why he had tried to adopt, why he adopted three Chinese kids and not three American kids. Or three kids from, I don't know, Ukraine that looked more like maybe him and his wife. I don't know his wife. wife. Maybe his wife's Asian. I don't know. I don't know much about her. You know, but when you get in, you start pulling these things apart. Well, there's Mel Gibson in there. No, Mel Gibson is a, he's a coke freak. And Mel Gibson did this and Mel Gibson did that. He's, he's another actor, right? And then all of a sudden you've just like torn this thing to pieces. And it's like, is there any merit or value left out of spending whatever you are going to spend and going to see the movie? And at what point do we do we hit the the like the purity scale? Ninety five percent, ninety percent, eighty. Does it have to be a hundred? I don't know the answer to that question. But clearly, we're getting patriot porn. I had to do a little digression on the sound of freedom, only because I think. On the one hand, it's very simple, very easy to comprehend, and very straightforward. And the message is, don't fucking take people's kids and traffic them. Simple. We could all agree on that. But then you get into the weeds, and it becomes much murkier. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting you kind of mental gymnastic to deal with. Um, and I don't have a problem seeing the movie and seeing what you know the merits of the movie or the demerits of the movie for that matter. And let the public decide. And even if there's you know noisy backstory, you know, work it in. Life is complex sometimes. And who knows? Maybe this is all just an esoteric trip, and they have to tell everybody and and Tim Ballard is dead set on chipping kids for the Masons. Maybe that's really what this is all about. But on the other hand, I think we all agree. Leave the kids alone, right? But it fired, so what it did though, is fired people up. The sound of freedom fired people up. Like that is kind of a precursor. You, you can see the nodes when they're when they're shifting. Yeah, I, I don't know what Tim Ballard's sign is. I've tried to find out. I can't find his birthday. You can find his wife's birthday, but I can't find his. Um, he covered his tracks pretty well. But when you look at the story, it really um, fits the Aries narrative. Like, number one, he's law enforcement. Number two, there's a display of an Aries unwillingness to give up, to uh, issue, problem, logjam, whatever, right? That character that Jim Caviezel is playing, and Jim Caviezel is a um, Libra, by the way, that character that Jim Caviezel is playing who is Tim Ballard, demonstrates all those Aries things. We got a problem, we're going to solve it. We got a problem, we're going to solve it. We're just going to keep going, keep going, keep going. We're going to keep going until we reach our goal. It's very Aries-like, 
right? Now you've got small town. And I'll talk about more. About that. Let's see what else we hear. Uh, who else? Let's see. Anybody new? I love the long astro weather. I'm going to have to get up earlier. My man. They cut the stream on Rumble. Oh, great. Giuseppe was in fine form last night. Uh, who else? I'm grateful every day I wake up above the ground. Wendy, that's a great. I think we all need more of that. Soul music was favorite love songs and sex songs now. Yuck. Yeah. Everything has degraded. Everything has de-evolutionized. Well, not everything, but a lot. I like Western music, but they quit making it around 1980. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a big shift in the industry, right? Like the industry says, we're going to be more rock and roll. So you have a group like um, Alabama. And Alabama is really this kind of crossover it's not country rock like, I don't know, fucking Graham Parsons, but it's more like rock country. And 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 then they really begin to, and it's, it's a shame because some of those artists were actually quite good. Like Dwight Yoakam is really good. Um, Randy Travis could sing it clearly in, in another era of country music. Um, Lyle Lovett, country guy, you know, weird, quirky, but he's a country guy. So there was some quality music being made, but, but you can just tell that Nashville's going with Hollywood. You know, that's where Nashville's going with. And they, they just, they've never looked back. Rock music is almost obsolete. They've, they've rockified country now. They've rapified country now. Uh, country music is uh, sort of uh, this weird hybrid station now for country hip-hop, loud guitars, but not Ted Nugent loud. You're right, Bo. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Ooh, Scrubby's making salsa. New country music. is. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Harriet, you get it. You know, I was growing tomatillos out here. They were looking good. And one day I walked out and they were all gone. Fucking deer ate them. They must really enjoy those tomatillos. Uh, man, I, I've been having issues with the internet. It's really problematic with clients. I fucking hate it. Uh, let's see. Always with the hidden creatures in the muddy water. Yeah. Chipping is another side already chipped. I think... Krimis, you're right. I mean, if you take into account take into account the nano dot and the nanocle self self-assembled inside your body, you're already chip. Paul Mitchell. Hey Okia. Thank you. That's who I was. uh Paul Mitchell's there. I thank you. 
Barbie movie, like the Barbie movie night or Sunday night, right? Barbie is basically an NPC. And they made a movie about an NPC. And then you're going to get a bunch of girls uh, on Twitch, on TikTok, but mostly on Twitch, emulating Barbie, going, mm-mm, yum, yum. Mmm, spicy. Spicy good. Mmm, thank you. I was going to see Tony Robbins when he had a previous wife. She changed him. She softened Tony up. There are very few pure messengers around these days. Absolutely. Um, Because that's as far as this film went. I say, no, they're they're not there. Yeah, no, it's it's Anthony Robbins. If you haven't seen the Anthony Robbins documentary, it's worth seeing. In his own way, he's, he's an interesting guy. But I couldn't go that route. Like, I just could, I couldn't. And man, these people, they are fucking addicted to Tony Robbins. They follow him anywhere. Uh, so Oppenheimer looks like a complete rework of history. Yeah. I've never seen a picture of Jim Caviezel's wife. That's why I said, I don't know. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. He's the, he, Christopher Nolan directed, um, you know, what's interesting is he also directed, what was it? Did he direct Dunkirk? It was all one shot, all one take. Was, wasn't that Nolan as well? I think Nolan's kind of getting his new world. It's like, okay, we let you make your films. Now you got to make our films. Now, now you got to pay back on that contract. let's see who else do we have anybody else i think we're also jaded and suspicious of motives motives yeah i mean that's part that's part of the thing that we've been rung through that that's part of the social conditioning or deconditioning like some people will say well that's deconditioning like kill your idols you know pop your black pill kill your idols decondition everything is fake it's all illusion right so you know embrace the inner nihilist it there in the sanctitude and the shadows of your own inner nihilist you will find peace that's the but, but that is a zero sum game because when you go down that path, there's nothing, there's nothing. Oh, yeah, you know, really, we've really just been conditioned to like puppies and kittens. That's all bullshit. That's bullshit. We've just been conditioned, you know, it's, it's just it's another form of programming. Look at all those TV shows. Lassie was pure programming. They were programming you to love that dog and to love that puppy so that you would buy all that puppy food and dog food. Do you understand it? You've been played. You've been played, motherfucker. 
could go that deep. I, for one, do like puppies and kittens. I'm a sucker, okay? But, you know, it's a really interesting, like we have, we have this interesting relationship with a very imperfect world. Very imperfect world. And you look at somebody like Mike Pence, who we played yesterday. That dude is way imperfect. Like I, he's got some, he's got some dark shit in his background, but I guarantee you, Mike Pence is doing everything in his power to project this sense of moral purity, right? He's doing everything in his power to project that. Clearly he's not. And honestly, it looks like a fucking bore. It looks like a board. You really want to live your life at that level? No. No, you don't. It's boring. So somewhere in there, we have we have to we have to give space for our imperfections. And if they become too big, then we've got to deal with them. Right. If they're they're hindering our ability to function and to have what what I would call a healthy relationship with our and I know it's all subjective, whatever that is, right? But if they're in the way, then then they have to be dealt with. They 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 have to be dealt with. I I think our greatest capacity as humans is to experience joy. And they have been absolutely looting um, the joy, the joy stores, right? You have oil reserves. They've been looting the joy reserves. And so, so joy is, is almost a, um, you know, an exotic delicacy. You go back and you watch that video with those guys, those guys were clearly experiencing joy. They were digging what they were doing. But that was before they just completely gutted that, right? So I, I think the best thing that we could do is figure out how we can deal with the imperfection of the world, which we have been clearly seeing, clearly, and alchemize it, reconcile it. And if you can live a life of, of in, intentional personal purpose and joy, you're way ahead of the game. You are way ahead of the game because most people might be able to check half of those boxes. So it's a, it's a really interesting, um, just, a, it's an interesting dialogue to have about where we are now. And I talked about this on Astro weather, this true note in Aries is going to be really binary, right? Like you're, with the South Node and Libra, it's it's like, well, I'm going to try to be fair. Well, good luck. Good luck. You're just going to be drawn right into one camp or the other camp. It's like that moment in They Live when uh, Roddy Piper, Keith David. Like, look, man, these people have invaded our world and they're ruining our world. And we have to take him out. And Keith Day, and that's and Roddy Piper is Aries. And Keith David is Libra. And Keith David's like, 
no, dude, I just want to go to work and I want to make my money and I want to send it home to my wife and kids. And Roddy Piper says, oh yeah, you know what happens when you're standing in the middle of the road? Keep days of what? You get hit. I, you know, I, I've thought about that statement for a while. Because on the one hand, if everybody around you is respectful, right, you won't get hit in the middle of the road. If everybody around you is following the letter and the rule of the law of the road, you won't get hit. And clearly, if there's a big fat island in the middle of the road, your chances get even better. But if they're not following the letter of the law or the, the law of the road, you will get hit, right? You will get hit. Somebody will see you and go, hey, I can take that motherfucker out right now. You know, just a voice in their head. Or maybe they're having a really shitty day, a shitty week, a shitty month, a shitty year. And in that moment, it's the culmination of it. And bang, there you go, middle of the road guy. And I think we're in a place where like more of that could happen now. There, there's let there would be less tendencies, I think, especially with a bunch of people that are jabbed. <laughs> we haven't even cut talking of accidents. But there's there's we have a less of a tendency now for people to follow those rules. So clipping somebody in the middle of the I saw this video yesterday. It was fucking shameful. I got to say it was shameful. It, it was from Oakland. There's look, There are plenty of videos from Oakland now that are circulating. On, Oakland has turned into like a Mad Max zone. Okay. It's getting, it's getting very weird in Oakland. And there is this guy. He's an old dude, right? Not only is he old, but he's also black and guess what he's doing he's pushing the ice cream cart down a street in oakland these young thugs jump out of the car of course it's a black suv and they pat the guy down and they they steal whatever they can from him they steal his fucking ice cream money that's where we are now Right. That's why if you're walking down the middle of the road, metaphorically, there's a much greater chance that you will be hit. So what Brock said in They Live, I think is more resonant now than in, in Trudeau and Aries. That's what you're going to get. All right. Let's take a little uh, look, shall we? At, oh, you know, where are we? 10 o'clock. I want to talk more about Rance Fanon. But I also wanted to talk about his daughter. Let's talk about Jason Aldean. Okay, so here we go. Right here. Oh. Now, CMT Music has um, banned the video. All right. Here, let me put this up as a visual. Okay, so country music television has banned the video. And 
Well, that's clearly a seal of approval. <laughs> well, if they've banned the video, then you know it's you know this is the this is the gravy. Like this is the barbecue sauce. This is the sizzle. If they banned it, that's the litmus, right? So I happen to live in a small town, a town that that Jason Aldean is talking about. And I and I talked about this on the show today. There are plenty of people around here that are armed to the teeth and they know how to use weapons really, really well. They're hunters, right? That's what goes on here. So I have no doubt that if something like this might come to town like this, what Jason Aldean is saying might be mostly true, right? Might be mostly true. That said, since I live in a small town and he puts this out there, what's going to happen? What is going to happen? Well, let's just say you are unhinged and you're running with a group of other unhinged people. And you say, look at this motherfucker. Look at this motherfucker in a small motherfucking town. Well, why go out to that small motherfucking town and burn that small motherfucking town down? You don't think that there are people that are watching this video that are having that dialogue in their head? Of course they are, right? Of course they are. We are so polarized that this video is going to trigger some of those people. Now, will they, will they have the temerity to go to a small town? I live right across from 99 acres of corn. If somebody wanted to do real damage, all they had, all they would have to do is light that cornfield on fire. I'm telling you. And by the way, this is what the Bolsheviks did. This is what Lenin did. They'd go out to the countryside. They would, they wouldn't take the kulaks on. They just burn their shit. Right. That, that so I'm like, dude, you're just, you're putting targets on small towns now. Thank you. Thank you for doing this, Mr. Las Vegas shooting. The guy with the, uh, the tattoo that matched one of the Illuminati cards. We covered this a long time ago. You know, so was, was all Dean just a, just a stooge? My, so my issue with Aldine, uh, it wasn't that he was there and the guy that was on the stage in Las Vegas, the weird psyop that was the Las Vegas shooting. It's what happened after. Because after that, he goes on this tour, right? He's like all over the place and he's talking and he's singing and he's promoting his music. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Is this how a normal human operates? I mean, put yourself in his boots for a moment. You're on the stage. Let's say this thing went down the way I said it went down. And all, all these people get mowed down. And, and like, there was something going on there. There, there, there were there were there were multiple events happening. Okay, this is how they run these things, multiple events. Um, 
but let's say for the sake of an argument that one of those events is a random shooter inside and not coming from the flashing strobe light and the, the, the bang, bang sound from the hotel across the way, right? Which is a distraction. And you're Jason Aldean and you're there and you see all this and you take it in. Like if that was me, I would be like, holy fuck. I need to go process this. I, I need to like figure out like what just happened. And I may not like come back out and do an interview for a couple months because theoretically you're in a war zone, right? And you have things like PTSD and all and th things like that. What does he do? He's out there. He's, you know, humming and strumming and, and talking about this and talking about it, it was like hey, here's your reward here's your reward greater exposure you know more more you know more money more the whole thing was just weird right just weird so nashville has been infested with the so-called Illuminati and Freemasonry for years. And what really opened my eyes to Nashville was Kathy O'Brien. And Kathy O'Brien's husband was, um, he, they were legally married, but he was really her handler and her daughter's handler. And he was a clown, like a red skeleton kind of clown. And, and we saw Red Skelton earlier this week, and Red Skelton was a master mason, right? So it's some interesting parallels. So her husband is, he's a clown. Joe Austin was a clown like that? Shia LaBeouf's father. A little bit different, but he was a clown, and he would kind of open for different bands, different acts. That's who Shia's father was, right? So... Clown guy would open for country and Western acts. They lived in Nashville. So there, and so Kathy O'Brien talked about the Nashville connection. She talked about how the Mandrell sisters are basically all mind controlled MK ultra kittens. Dolly Parton, same camp. Like her husband, you think that guy is her husband? What's his name? Larry something? I don't He's her handler. He's her handler. And she gets into naming other names. Lee Greenwood. Like Lee Greenwood knows all the access codes to the MK Ultra Kittens. Chris Christofferson, you know, who kind of, you know, rolls up his, his uh, ankle, pants on his ankles and wades into Nashville every now and then, right? Another guy. Nashville seems to be a center of locus and control. And if you think about country Western music, it has been um, not the early guys. Like the early guys are, are like, they're different. I'm sure there's Freemasonic connections and all that shit, right? But they're different in a lot of ways. There's a, there's a, there's a, I think the seminal moment is when um, Merle Haggard sings, I'm an Okie from Muskogee. 
which is really kind of a pro-American song. Because he's basically saying, hey, look, man, I don't smoke marijuana. I don't have long hair. I'm not down with that shit. I'm cool with being an Oki from Muskogee. That's like, he's cool with it. But then they started to take it into like kind of preposterous directions. Lee Greenwood, proud to be an American. Like how many fucking times have you heard that song? And every time I hear that song, I just have Kathy O'Brien in the back of my head. And it's like Nashville is all programming. And for a long time, like, I couldn't fucking stand it. Because it, it was really narrow casting the American experience. It was like, okay, we got some God, we got some girlfriend, we got some Saturday night, we got some whiskey, we got some broken heart. Sometimes, you know, we got love and devotion and songs about, you know, my dad, my granddad. I mean, I get it, right? Those are American kinds of songs. But the only guy that kind of got close to that was Steve Earle. And he, and he was critical of the response to 9-11. And maybe that's really what country and Western music is supposed to do, is to reinforce this idea being an American, being a patriot, and for some people that's just mono, right? It's mono. but I couldn't, I couldn't always stomach it because of how, in some ways, manipulative it was. I felt like it was being manipulated all the time, and and, and I could see why people wouldn't like it and why people would have an issue with flyover states because this is the this is a very popular music. I don't really hold it against the people. But I think Nashville is as equally um, culpable programming as Hollywood is. And in fact, Nashville in some ways is becoming the new Hollywood. Like it has clearly displaced Hollywood in the music industry. If you want to, if you want to make music, you want to make money, sing a bag of vocals, or you're going to Nashville. And they're doing film production in Nashville. You have uh, Jason Whitlock in Nashville. You have Ben Shapiro in Nashville. Like, like there's a thing happening in Nashville. But it's it's been as much of a loci of programming as Hollywood has. So now country western music is going to have a bit of a bite, right? It's going to have a bit of a bite, and I just think that this is. This is baiting material. It's total. Before I forget, let me, let me give you another um, Nashville country western Freemasonic Illuminous connection. Brad Paisley, the country singer, Nation, what is on your side? Brad Paisley is publicly a Freemason, right? And he's probably a very high ranking Freemason. And there's this um, weird episode on Hard Knocks, which is an HBO show where they follow a football team through training camp. And it was the Cleveland Browns, and it was a highly entertaining Hard Knocks. Baker Mayfield was the quarterback at the time. and He was a rookie, and he was just coming in, and he and the other quarterback um, had their own trailer. 
Brad fucking Paisley shows up at the Browns practice. Now, do you think Brad Paisley is a Browns fan? Do you think he just loves the tradition of the dog pound? No, he's there for one purpose and one purpose only. And that's to recruit Baker Mayfield. The end of that episode, it's Brad Paisley and Baker Mayfield walking into their trailer, right? Into his trailer. Now, I don't know if Baker said, yeah, sure, sign me up. I don't know if that if he did that or not. But that's what Brad Paisley was doing. He wasn't there to just, you know, snip the turf and in 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 you know get a contact high off of you know the, the the testosterone right he wasn't there for that he was there specifically for Baker Mayfield so you can see this all over Nashville and, and so this is what we're getting right it, I'm trying to just share with you that Nashville is a center of programming in as much as Hollywood and now Disney World which is Another kind of version, like everything went west to east with with big media. It, it's really now Disney in Florida and Nashville and Tennessee. And maybe a little bit with Atlanta in the center. CNN based out of Atlanta, right? So when you go to a small town, I guarantee you, you could go to some bumfuck town that's got maybe 2,500 people. And guess what you'll see there? You will see a Freemasonic Lodge. Hands down, bar none. And in many cases, these lodges run these small towns. They run even not so small towns. 10,000 people, 15,000 people. There are a core of people inside of that lodge who wield big power and influence at a local level. So I used to follow, um, I used to read Jeff Rents or, or Henry Macau more often than I do now. And there was this one guy who started to do these dispatches from his experience of living in a small town and trying to start a business. And the town was heavily invested or vested and invested with Freemasonic connections and energy. And essentially, he was asked to join. Does he have to be asked to join? And he said, no. No, I'm, I'm good. Right, I'm good. From that point forward, his business was kryptonite. And, they, and this is his story. They went out of their way to make sure that he would not be able to profit and survive in their town. And that the business was going to go through any business was going to go through the free product network. And so if you're part of the network, there was a better than average chance your business would be patronized because you were part of the network. If you were outside of the network, it was like good luck because people knew that this goes on in small towns. So if that's true, right, if that's true, then what would happen if something like this came to a small town? In my premise that a lot of small towns are really 
driven and run by people who are maybe in the city government, but they don't have to be. And if that's true, what is the agenda coming down from the top of the pyramid? You know, where, where, where do they sit in sort of the, the current roiling seas of our chaos? And you notice in the media, nobody ever talks about Freemasons. They never talk about Freemasons. Alex Jones never talks about Freemasons. Why? Question mark. Well, there's probably a pretty good chance Alex Jones is a Freemason. There was a there was a picture of him, apparently, that was on the internet a few years ago, and it showed him in complete Masonic garb. You know, he had the apron and everything. It would not surprise me. He doesn't talk, he doesn't say shit about the Masons. Because if you do, it's it's almost as as bad as like you know calling out the Jew, right? Like you're headed into that territory because of the pervasive influence of that organization. Like somewhere or another, they'll find a way to shut you down, right? So so it's it's another kind of. And then, of course, it'll be the conspiracy theory. Oh, well, you know, that's just the conspiracy theory. You know, they're, 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 they're just guys that we come together and, and, you know, wear funny aprons and have funny hand signals and, and they do good works, right? Like, yeah, maybe there's a group of them that are, you know, they call them porch masons. And the porch masons are the people that you see in the community. They seem upright and all that shit, right? But the deeper you go into the structure and the hierarchy, I guarantee you, you're going to run into people that are way more sophisticated and might have much more of a national, international, global, universal agenda. And what is the agenda, right? In Freemasonry, you're dealing with some degree of alchemy. You're dealing with the chessboard. You're dealing with the black and white squares, right? It's it's this sort of this alchemy of the reconciliation of opposites and duality. It's the Gemini effect, which I've talked about, right? So, so this everything is like I've done this before. If you look at referees in pro football, what do you see? They were black and white, right? Black and white striped shirts. There's a reason for that. There's a, there's a reason for it. Police cars. What color are they? Black and white, generally, right? Like some police cars are now solid color, whatever. But if you go back in the classic motif, police, they're black. there's a reason why. They're telling you, right? They're telling you that this is an operation of the reconciliation of opposites. And we are the grand chess players. We are the master architects of the universe. And no moves get made 
before we say uh, King's Pawn to uh, Queen Queen Four, right? And take out the knight while you're doing it. So I have I have some issues with the video. I think it's an incitement, an indirect incitement towards violence. Like he's throwing kerosene on the fire. Do I do I do I stand up for these ideals? Sure. Of course I do. Right? It's like, come on, you know? Part of me is like, yeah, try this in middle America or come to Texas and, and try this in a certain area. Let's see what happens. See what happens. Yeah, of course. If it's like who kind of wouldn't lean into that? Like, okay. This is our last stand, you know. This is the hill we're going to die on. It's the small town. And we're all pissed off, right? We're all pissed off due to the fact that they let America burn in 2020. And we were on the wrong end of the coup, which has happened. So, I don't know. I mean, this again astrologically they release this when the true note is in aries is and this is an interesting okay this is an interesting question is that pure astrology or if we take into account that maybe there's a hidden hand behind the video and the hidden hand understands astrology well, why wouldn't they release it as soon as the Trudeau goes into, into uh, Aries? Right? Like, oh, well, that would make sense. If, if you were an organization or a group that understood astrology, you're going to get the biggest fucking bang out of this video right now. Because it's a down scene where this is going over the next 19 months. They're telling you. The other side of this is the controlled opposition and controlled chaos, right? We just had 300,000 people come through our border. 300,000 people. Where did they all go? Well, some of them are protesting. They're demanding that they get certain things, but that's not the bulk of them, right? So again, the rumor has it that a lot of them have been shipped to West Texas. And then they're undergoing some kind of training out there. Who knows what kind of training, right? And these are people who have no allegiance to this country. None whatsoever. Who knows? Who who knows what 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 some of these migrants are being taught or told or shaped into? Nope. Nobody's done anything, but there are videos out there that they're being taken to centers out in West Texas. So the question is, will they then be unleashed upon the American public at some point? And then you've got the whole Intel community who, despite all of the um, so-called coaches that are there to instruct them on how to look patriotic and sound truthy, really are 
more like NPCs in different costumes. Don't underestimate these guys because they can play agent provocateurs. They can get into groups. They, they did it with the Muslims. They infiltrated Muslim world, right? And they would get these guys and they would say, hey, look, man, we're going to do something. You know, we're going to do something. We're, we're going we're to show these infidels that they can't mess with Allah. And you get, you know, they, and they'll sort them out, right? They'll find somebody who's a slightly unhinged, maybe PTSD, uh, you know, zealot and waiting. And they'll focus on that guy, maybe another guy. And they'll get it, they'll, they'll, they'll hatch a plan and say, okay, this is where we're meeting. We're going to be there tomorrow at uh, 1030. And then he and his buddy show up and his handlers from the mosque aren't there. And they're like, what, what, what? And they're caught, right? Because they're waiting for him. And they do this shit, right? So if you've got like local groups, local meetups, prepper meetups, tea party, like they will go into these fucking things. And they'll and they will live in a place for maybe about a year. So if they're going to do an infiltration tactic, like the people, they're not just gonna show up, right? Oh, hey, I'm new to town. I'm new to town. What are you guys doing? Y'all shooting some Antifans out here, right? No, that's not how they do it, right? You move in. You hang out for a while, you establish your identity, start going to things, you gain trust. That's how you infiltrate. And I would not be surprised at all if that's happening in small towns, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, look, is this kind of a rallying cry for the average American who is so thirsty for some kind of justice and law and order you know if you're if you're in the desert right if you're in the desert um and you are really thirsty you'd be surprised at what you would drink and americans are thirsty they're thirsty for order they're thirsty for the rule of law to be reset right so when they go to Walgreens, they don't have to sit there and watch some guy with a pillowcase and out a thousand dollars worth of vape products, right? Or whatever. That's how thirsty we're. So we get this, and like, oh, this is a fucking ice cold beer in the desert. I'm just saying, you know, slow the roll a little bit. And you can even slow the roll a little bit on Sound of Freedom if you want, right? And but does that mean? that we divorce ourselves from Jason Aldean and what the message of the song is saying. I, to me, this is very dark. I get it, right? I totally get it, but it's also praying. It's praying upon people in a lot of ways. It's praying upon them. You know, really, the idea is like, we all know in a small town. We all know in a small town, if you come here and try that shit, there's a really good chance you're not making out of a small town. This is the way it is. Do we need a video for it? Who's that video for? 
the people in the small towns that are itching to crack skull or, you know, shoot a, shoot a commie between the eyes. I don't think so. Cause it's already here, but, but getting back to the Masonic side of things, you never know how these things could go in, in a place you, you never know. Like you could have somebody who's the mayor of the town and a high ranking Mason. And he could tell the police to stand down. He could. Mayors have, the police have to listen to the mayor. Sheriffs don't. But the police do. They work for the mayor. The mayor says, yeah. Stand down. If you see anybody obstructing, you know, their right to protest, arrest them. They can do that. Now, whether he gets reelected or not, that's a whole other story. So I'm just telling you, right? Like small town America isn't often what it seems to be. And I think if they had to defend their property, um, their children, their women, they probably do a much better job than somebody in the city who's handcuffed in a lot of ways by, by laws in those cities. You get into unincorporated areas. You know, it's the Wild West in a lot of ways. And it exists. But do we need a video for it? Do we need a video for it? It's an invitation. Yes, please come to the small town. Test us out. Test us out. Anyway, um, if you like the video, enjoy it. Right? If it's a hoorah moment for you, enjoy it. Um, I'm kind of neutral. I'm kind of neutral to, Hey, thanks for bringing this up. Cause I live in a small town. Thanks for bringing I'm telling you, if they want to come to the small town, they're not going to come in and confront your ass like that. They will not do it that way. They'll just come in and set shit on fire. That's what they did in Oregon. You know, that's what they did in Portland. You know, when, when, when those got, when the, the, the feds came into Portland and the uh, federal courthouse in Portland in 2020 was under direct assault every night, every night. And at that level, the feds could do things and they did things, right? They literally had to secure the perimeter of that federal courthouse and they did it. They made it very, very difficult at a certain point in 2020 for, you know, the Antifa meth heads to do their shit. So guess what they did? They went out to the country and they lit shit on fire. They lit farms on fire. They, lit, they tried to light small towns on fire. Those fires in Oregon were deliberately set because some dipshits got chased out of Portland. That's what they would do in small towns. They wouldn't come in. Here we are with their crowbars and, you know, they wouldn't do that. They would be right out of, right out of the line in this playbook. And they, they would burn down your, your, your feed center. They, they would, they would burn down grazing areas for cows. It's exactly what they would do. And they say, how, how do you like that small town guy? How do you like that? And you couldn't even lay a hand on me. 
we're free to express ourselves. He can make the video. He can make the, the, the there's something about the sentiment that, you know, kind of tingles the American in me that feels pissed off after what we've gone through. Cause we've gone through a lot and we haven't had any real wins. Right. So we're, we're looking for wins. So part of me, I get it. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, come here. I kind of get it. But on the other hand, it's like, what's really behind this? And do we really, if we live in small towns, do we, do we really want to slap them across the left cheek? Right? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about France Fanon, but I really wanted to talk about his daughter. So I talked about France Fanon. He's probably one of the most instrumental people um, of the 20th century. He's clearly a philosophical, a deep philosophical influence on Barack Obama and the Black Lives Matter movement taking parts of Fanon, right? So Fanon is a decolonialist. He believes that colonialism is responsible for the ills of, where have we heard that? Like that is one of the main talking points now when it comes into this whole idea of race comes right out of Fanon. He doesn't live very long, right? France Omar Fanon was a Francophone Afro-Caribbean psychiatrist, political philosopher, and Marxist. That last part is important. From the French colony of Martinique, his works have become influential in the fields of post-colonial studies, critical theory, hello, and Marxism. He died in December 8, uh, 6, 1961 in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh, isn't that interesting? The home of Naval Intelligence, Walter Reed Hospital. Only the best healthcare for uh, Mr. Fanon. So these are some of the people that are kind of connected. Akili Mbembe, uh, Aimé Césaire, Edward Said. Edward Said is the guy that ran the Algerian Revolution. Um, and then there is his daughter. Okay, so what's interesting is that uh, Leon Trotsky's daughter lives and works here in the United States, right? She lives and works in the Maryland area. She worked for, I think, NIH. Right? So um, is it, I think, hold on a second. It's his, yeah, it's his daughter. Trotsky's daughter lives here in this country. And, and I think, there's even a documentary on her that HP did anyway. So these are like the daughters of revolutionaries. Here's Josie Fanon, ably carrying on her father's work. Oh, that's the wife. I want the, I want the daughter. I want to be the daughter. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Fanon. I want his daughter. Uh, give me one sec here. What was he doing in Bethesda? 
let me get into you. Look at this Wikipedia entry. These are all of his books. Legacy. Um, where's his daughter in here? Maybe it's Josie. Maybe it's his wife. I think it's his daughter, though. I apologize. I'm going to get in. Uh, all right, that's the spouse. Hold on. Okay, so me, I guess I guess it's his spouse. They had one child, a son named Olivier. Okay, so this is her. So she, I think she passed away. So this is not his daughter. I apologize. See, you, you just got to get these things right over there. Um, she was of Corsican and Gypsy descent, a native of Lyon and daughter of a left-wing trade unionist. She became really influential in the UN. From 1962 to 1977, Josie Fanon was a journalist in the Algerian press. And after 1977, wrote for Demain Afrique, I guess the African Domain, a magazine published in Paris. In 1964, she interviewed Che Guevara for Revolution Africaine, a weekly publication of the Algerian FLN. Josie Fanon was responsible in 1967 for removing Jean-Paul Sartre's preface from subsequent issues of her husband's The Wretched Earth. She felt that Sartre's support for Israel in the Six-Day War represented an addition with respect to the Palestinian situation that was incompatible with Fanon's work because the Israelis are colonizers. Colonizers, which kind of gets lost now, right? Like, oh, yeah, Americans, they're bad. They're colonizers. The English, they're bad. They're colonizers. French colonizers. Italians. Eh, colonizers, but mm, maybe not as much. Spaniards, colonizers, right? Israel, colonizers, question mark? Question mark. Um, looks like we're running out of time. I want more, a little more time in the meter. Ah. Uh. I just added 30 minutes. Nice function. Nice function. You saw the back end. You saw the back end. All right, back to Josie Fanon. I want to, I want to finish this. She was, where did I read? She was doing something with the UN about the creating like the new statute for human rights. Wow, she committed suicide, theoretically, uh, uh, on July 13th, 1989, in Algiers, visit her husband's grave the month before, as well as places where she had lived with him in Tunis, giving Essia Jabbar the impression, in retrospect, that her course of action had been premeditated. A few days prior to taking her life, she may have been victim of assault on the street in broad daylight. Hmm. Okay. 
and they always have like even France Fanon, the, the the patron saint of decolonization. Well, the marriage of Josie and France Fanon has been a happy one. More recent research suggests it involved some domestic violence. What do you think? I bet you he was a crazy motherfucker. Crazy motherfucker. What was the th other thing about her? There was something about her and the UN. Like she had had a, kind of a, she was a major player for the UN for a while. All right, I'm going to have to return to this. Return to the life of Josie Fanon. Here's an interview with Jean-El Dominique, Duke University. Interesting. So yeah, decolonization, it's a thing. So on the one hand, you know, we still have a great deal of animus that's floating around out there. But I think the tide, I, I think the tides are changing a little bit. I was I was talking about this um, with um, Giuseppe last night. You know I brought it up before. If you've listened to this show, uh, you know, Black America is waking up, especially um, the Black American male. He's waking up. I, I see this all the time. There are more shows on YouTube that are like Black Truth now than I've ever seen. And they're very popular streams, and they sort of populate each other's streams. And there's this one. There's this one um, group. They're called the Carter Family, and they started off doing like reaction videos to music. And they started to do reaction videos to like Thomas Sowell and all these other characters. Um, and so they're. It, it, they're looking right they're looking for knowledge they're trying they're trying to find the truth they did a thing on russell brand like who is russell brand they did a reaction video to russell brand and thomas soul and like really interesting you watching the evolution of the guys who were doing reaction videos to uh music and some sports to branch out like what else can we react to what else is out there right and we're seeing this we're seeing i'm seeing more and more of it which I think is heartening. Um, and I think it's a healthy response to what we've been through from a masculine perspective, because men, men have been totally fucked over, right? We're, you know, and maybe, you know, there's like a little, yeah, well, women have been fucked over for much longer. So you guys can take an L for a while. I don't agree with that. I don't think anybody should get fucked over. You know, I think I think everybody should have an equal shot, right? An equal shot, and respect one another, respect one another's differences, until of course there's, you know, irreconcilable differences, in which case you can respectfully tap out, right? Um, but I'm watching it. I'm watching this thing happen. And Andrew Tate, 
is I didn't realize how popular Andrew Tate was. I had, like, I knew he was popular, but I was watching uh, uh, Jason last night, and he had Royce and um, Bryce and Gray on. And they both pointed out that Andrew Tate's video with Tucker Carlson has had more views than anything that's been watched in history. Think about that. Think about that. More views than Joe Rogan and Alex Jones. Way more. Right? Like, that's fucking nuts to think that Andrew. Part of it is Tucker Carlson. Part of it is Andrew Tate. The other part is that it's Twitter. And it's way more ubiquitous. But it's like, wow. That's a lot of eyeballs. And, you know, Andrew Tate is supposedly standing up for young men. Um, he's a complex character. He's a very complex character. But um, at the end of the day, I, I don't I don't think, even though, again, it's like one of those things. And you're in the desert and you're thirsty. What are you going to drink? And there's a lot of young men who are thirsty, right? Their, 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 their fathers, their grandfathers, family members, maybe they have them, maybe they don't, right? But, but they're not there for them. They haven't been there for them. They have, they have no idea of what, it, what it's like to be a man. And so you have Andrew Tate, who I think is approaching 30. He might be in his early 30s. And so a lot of these kids, I mean, I mean kids, you got 14, 15, 16-year-olds watching Andrew Tate. You know, he's like the he's like the big brother they never had. Or, you know, to some of these kids, he might even be, you know, kind of borderline father material. And they're thirsty. He's telling them things that their culture has roped off with yellow warning tape. Like, you don't go there. And he walks over and he cuts the tape and like, wow, thank you. Right. Because inherently like that's what they should be experiencing. Right. That's what they should be experiencing. Inherently you're young. You want to test yourself. You want to test your environment. You know, you want to do things that are a little dangerous. Right. And they've just put, warning tape on to the point where you can't even have those thoughts if you have those thoughts they're as bad as doing the thing itself and, and they've really unfortunately put a lot of young men in straight jackets for a long time and so tate comes along and he's cutting the tape so of course they're thirsty for it they they want somebody who understands their a certain point of their biology and their psychology and making them okay with that. That's what he's doing, right? But on the other hand, there's other things going on with Andrew Tate that are definitely under him. You know what I found out about him? His father, his father was a chess master and also worked for Naval Intelligence and the CIA. Kind of interesting, right? 
And and Andrew Tate is always saying he's playing chess. Telling people he's a chess master. Well, his father was a chess master. And what does it bring bring us back to? The black and white checkerboard, right? Of the Freemasonic realm. Duality, duality, duality. And every every position in society is on that board. From the drone to the working class to the religious class to the martial class, right? And then to the ruling class. It's all on the board. All right. Thanks for being here. I didn't want to play Jason Aldean's video. You might get triggered. No, I think you'd be fine. You guys are adults. But if you want to watch it, watch it. It's very incendiary. You know, I expect to see trucks with flags, F-150s with flags this weekend. Gadsden flag, American flag, Texas flag, Betsy Ross flag. Now, uh, Confederate flag. Now, is the Confederate flag going to make a crack? It's really funny. Um, There's a great version of Freebird from 19, I think it's 76 or 77 at the Oakland Coliseum. It's a day in the green. I know exactly when this concert was. I didn't go to it, but I, I saw it advertised. And that video is a fucking time capsule of a place that no longer exists, right? That is a very different world. And in the back backdrop of the video, they have a huge Confederate flag, huge Confederate flag. And it's like, how long will it be before they memory hold this stuff? Because they will come for video. They will totally come for that video. Some point, right? Like they have to remove everything. That's decolonization. That's France Fanon. That's his fingerprint. And he was a fucking psychopath. Fanon psychopath. And that's why he's so beloved by any means necessary, right? All right. Peach, you want to come over? Hi. You want to say hi? Come on. Come on over here. You've been over there all morning. Come on. Come say hi to the people. Come say hi. She's being a cat. She'll come over. As soon as I end the show, you know how it is with cats. Okay, thanks for being here. Um, won't be doing the Friday forecast tomorrow. Probably won't be doing Sunday night. Um, gonna recreate a little bit. Time to recreate. Sun in the Leo. It's up in my ninth house. I gotta have a good time. I gotta I gotta go out and have some situations some situations good situations all right you guys take uh use your head in order to discern what's real your heart two step what's possible i'm robert phoenix thank you everybody for being here don't forget our event it's on my website 
I'm going to start putting links up here. It's going to be an awesome event. And it's going to be in the Hill Country in October. We're going to have Shauna home, um, Mark S., the caricaturist, myself, uh, Leela LMM. Um, she'll be there. The Crimmies, uh, the rumor has that the Crimmies are going to be here. When I talked to Shauna, uh, apparently um, they're, they're renting a, a 30-foot Winnebago and coming out. No, I don't think they're doing that, but they're coming out here. So the Crimmies, I don't want to be premature here. The Crimmies are coming. And um, I hope as many people can attend. It's going to be a blast. You know, it's a high drama with an eclipse for sure. But um, we're going to have a good time. And uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're just gonna lean into it, man. We may not look at the eclipse. Shauna believes that that it's bad luck to look at eclipses. If Trump in nineteen in twenty seventeen is an is, is an example of it, she might be right. You remember Trump violently staring in to the black sun. Right on his ascendant, his life wasn't. His life was different after that eclipse. I think we can all agree upon that. All right, take care. Um, I guess. I guess next Tuesday, unless I do a little video in the recreations. All right, take care. Bye for now.